go to a book that probably everyone will enjoy, Judges. <laughs> okay. I'm going to begin with verse 1. That's going to be our introduction. And then we'll move into the book. It says, Now it came about after the death of Joshua that the sons of Israel inquired of the Lord, saying, Who shall go up first for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for your wonderful love and grace. Thank you for the music, both this morning and this evening. Choir and the, uh, the group always does a wonderful job, and they want to glorify you, and I thank you for that. And I thank you for this time where we can continue to try and lift you up and honor you in a very special way by the reading of your word and by sharing the message from your word. But Lord, we know that this cannot come about without our hearts uh, being prepared and ready to allow you to be worshipped tonight or this evening. And I just pray that they are, and I pray that if they're not, that we will uh, go into that private time at this time and just ask you to prepare us for the message. The message not that I have for them necessarily, but the message that you have for them, Lord. And so you'd speak to each and every heart deal with our lives in a very special way and I pray that we will yield to that and that we will leave rejoicing in the spirit because we have heard your voice we have heeded to your word and your direction and now we're ready to serve you during the week help us dear Lord it can only happen by your grace and so I just pray that its sufficiency will be felt and experience during the service. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> a national magazine chronicled the uh, awesome power of organized crime and followed it a few weeks later with the startling story of youthful crime and violence carried out with terrifying cold-eyed amorality. This is what they said. They said that a Canadian church issued a preliminary report, and this was some of the items that they spoke about. Uh, the uh, Canadian church issued a preliminary report which seriously considered putting to death severely retarded children. And a chief architect of the report suggests that such children are not genuine human beings. Isn't that amazing? You see, it's not just outside the church, is it? It's inside the church. They went on, they said homosexuality has become so widely accepted that one quarter of the population of a major American city is said to practice it. While biblical morality is ridiculed or dismissed as irrelevant by most our most popular television programs, it is accepted by many. Divorce rates soar while the phenomenon of living together becomes standard operating procedure among a great part of the population. 
Now this list could be lengthened. It could go on and on and on. They said the Western uh, world is experiencing a, an enormous moral crisis. Ours is a, they said, a cut flower civilization. Now, do you understand that? Cut flower. While a sign of life remains, we have cut ourselves off from our biblical roots. The petals are beginning to droop and fall. We are a society without standards. A youthful rock star was asked or told in an interview from, by him, he said, I believe absolutely nothing. And you know, that's unfortunate, but it speaks of a big portion of our generation, doesn't it? One thing seems obvious. There's never been a time in our life when God's people were overwhelmed by such a flood of immorality and amorality as they are now. And it's perhaps more like a tidal wave that, than a flood because it's, it threatens to carry everything away before it, leaving only destruction in its wake. That's why they want to rewrite history. They want it to be the way that they want it to be. Relational in the sense that it can adapt to whatever we want to believe in at the time. The book of Judges is a part of scripture which describes a, a time of moral, spiritual, and ethical anarchy. A society without standards whose lifestyle is captured in a thoroughly modern phrase found at the back door of the book. And do you know what that phrase is? Everyone what? Did what was right in his own eyes. In Judges 21, 25. Judges is a book which speaks to our time because it presents us with living examples of people who serve God in such a time and not only survived spiritually, praise God, but flourished. There were those people. They, they were the remnant. They were the small group, but they did survive. At the same time, it presents us with people who did not survive, unfortunately, many of them, but who succumbed to the wave of sin. Judges vividly emphasizes or demonstrates to us the consequences of spiritual compromise. And this is so very important in this book. It emphasizes the, the uh, consequences of spiritual compromise and a disobedience to God. And it is part of the world squeezing us into its mold instead of us bringing it into belief in Jesus Christ. No other part of Scripture so emphatically declares it's the spiritual disaster uh, uh, that occurs when a group 
draws back from a wholehearted commitment. And we talked about this, mor this morning with discipleship, didn't we? A wholehearted commitment to the Lord. Now, that wholehearted commitment, we're not talking about discipleship in the sense of you've got to do this to be saved. It's you've committed your life to the Lord, so you should be committed to Him, right? Wholeheartedly. And we see our time as a dangerous and exciting one at the same time. The challenges and opportunities He's given uh, His body in the last quarter of the century and on is phenomenal but satan is on the march as well and and unless we grab hold of the great principles of spiritual living presented in the bible and it, and here in in the book of judges we may find ourselves as spiritual dropouts mere spectators at the climax of an invisible war between god and satan and Judges begins by giving us a graphic reminder of the consequences of, of compromise or partial obedience, may I say, in a time of spiritual anarchy. It is the fundamental principle that the Holy Spirit communicates spiritual survival in a society with such standards. Partial defense is no defense at all. D.L. Moody said it this way. He said, the place for the ship is in the sea. But God help the ship if the sea gets into the ship. When God's people begin to take on water, the water of the world, they go down fast, don't they? And in the opening verses of this great book, we see the process vividly Portrayed. And this is why it's, it's, we're going to major in on this verse and it just be the introduction of the whole book tonight. Now it came about in verse 1, after the death of Joshua. And that's key. We've got to emphasize. We've got to see the setting. We've got to understand what's going on. That the sons of Israel inquired to the Lord saying, Who shall go up first for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? The first few books or words of the book of Judges may at first class or glance seem to be only a, you know, a picture or a helpful view of the history notation. Okay, Judges. Joshua's died. Judges is now here. After the death of Joshua, however, the statement is of dramatic change in spiritual health in the nation of Israel. The books of Joshua and Judges stand side by side on the pages of Scripture. Now you know that there's Joshua and then Judges. There was Exodus, Joshua, Judges. There was the, the Exodus of the Israelites from bondage, being set free, wandering in the wilderness, and then the younger generation... Uh, who had not continuously sinned against God, got to go into the promised land, but not under uh, Moses' leadership. There was a new one prepared under Moses to lead them into the promised land, the promised land that was promised by God. 
and they were to go into the promised land. But as they went into the promised land, he said, it is your land, but you have to take it. In other words, there's going to be fighting going on. There's going to be warfare going on. And he also warned them, he said, once you get into Canaan, it is a land just like it's been described. Just full of, of everything that you need and more and want. But be careful not to sit there and compromise. Not to get satisfied and forget what the mission that you have is. And that is to conquer the land. To drive completely out the enemy. Not partially, but completely. And so Joshua comes in and they do a good job for the most part. Wasn't a perfect job, but a good job. And then we come to Joshua's last words, as for me... And my house, we're going to serve the Lord. This was right before he was on his way out. And we'll talk about that in a few moments. But then after he died, they had the elders who continued on. And then they had no one to lead them like Joshua. And so you have judges. And, and remember that the judges are people over different sections. And some of them are uh, classified as judges over the whole nation at times. But a lot of them, uh, that are, some of them that are mentioned, are just judges over certain sections, over certain tribes. So this is why if you start adding up the judges and you started at adding up the time, you'd say, hey, there's a difference here. The difference is, is... They're not one judge after another over the whole nation. Some of them were operating at the same time. Some in a locale, an isolated locale where others over the whole uh, nation of Israel. But these were men who were called out by God. Most of the time to go to, do, uh, to lead the nation politically and, and morally and, and lead them into... Um, a victory a, a lot of times it was after the enemy had already attacked so we'll talk about that later on so uh, we we look at this and the, and we see the difference as you lay the two books uh, side by side although the the books of Joshua and Judges stand side by side in the pages of scripture they are poles apart in what they uh, record of, of Israel's obedience to God in Joshua is a record of the exploits of Israel. And as they trusted the Lord and obeyed God, God brought his people into Canaan and gave them the victory, uh, after victory, over their foes. Joshua is a book of conquest. But Judges is a long and sad story of defeat. Joshua is a, is a book of faith, judges of unbelief and disobedience. Joshua depicts a people united in following God's man, but Judges is a book of division and anarchy. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. In Joshua, God's word is central. 
and men submit to his authority. And we talked about that authority. If we're going to be true disciples of the Lord, there needs to be that authority. We need to understand that authority from God. That his is the authority we need to submit to. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is, what? In heaven. In heaven. God's authority. While judges, Scripture is neglected and rejected. There are two verses which clearly indicates the difference uh, between the time of Joshua and the period of Judges. As Joshua was about to die, I shared with you earlier, he issued his famous challenge to the people. Choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And with one voice the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Under Joshua's leadership, there was a strong vocal commitment to the authority of the Lord of Israel. But early in Judges, we have God's description of the time of the Judges. It says, And the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and forgot the Lord their God, and served the Baals and Ashereth. In Judges 3.7. In Joshua, we will not forget the Lord. In Judges, the people forgot the Lord. Why did that happen? How did a people who knew continuous victory by faith sink to be a nation experiencing constant failure due to what? Compromise. And how can we guard against the same thing in our lives that we are facing today? You know the song that we sing, prone to wander, Lord I feel it, prone to leave the Lord I love. That's the old nature. And we must realize that we are constantly dealing with that. Just because we're saved doesn't do away with our old nature, does it? And Satan is going to come in and like cooking a frog, you gradually heat up the water, boiling it so that it won't jump out, right? But if you turn it on full blast, it'll jump out. And so this is the way Satan works. He knows that if he throws it full blast into us, that many will reject it. Many will go the other way. But if he can gradually get us to bring the world in, accept the world, he can continue to turn up the water and boil our lives away and our witness. What happened in the time of Judges is sad, but it's not unique. Perhaps by seeing where the sons of Israel failed, we can guard against leaving the fount of blessing today. It also confronts us on another level. And this is not simply a dreary uh, desert of defeat here. There is failure, but there is also faith. So we're going to be looking at that, and we thank God for that. We're going to be looking at some principles that we can look at 
in the book of Judges that will help us because we are in that flood today. Few other books give us such insight into the grace and long-suffering of God. Side by side with compromise and apostasy runs the story of men and women who knew what it was to live for God by faith in difficult times. Many of the great heroes of faith are enrolled in Hebrews 11 if you go over there and you look at it. So... We may be surprised to discover that the book of Judges is full of people who did have faith. Even though there's so much compromise and partial living for the Lord. Judges covers about one quarter of the historical period described in the Old Testament. About 350 years passed between Judges 1 and Judges 21. Yet it remains one of the most neglected books of the Bible, except for the stories of Gideon and Samson and some other heroes. But to neglect it is to rob ourselves of significant truths the Holy Spirit wants to teach us. So the outline of Judges as a book falls into basically three categories naturally it naturally falls into these three sections I guess you would say as one put it it falls into the preview of the judges in chapters 1 1 through 3 6 the cycle of sin included in there and then second of all the period of the judges chapter 3 7 through 1631 and that's the downward spiral and then the picture of the judges chapter 17 1 through 21 25 and that's the spiritual anarchy in the judges in writing judges many of the commentaries and Ones who uh, were in Jewish tradition believed that it was Samuel who wrote the book. And there are many reasons for this, that, but we won't get into that. The message of the book is not dependent on either its date of writing or its authorship. The message of Judges is not difficult to discern. It revolves around two great themes. The faithfulness of the covenant-keeping God and the unfaithfulness of his covenant-breaking people. If you look in chapter 2, it's recorded in the first verse of chapter 2 of Judges. And it's connected with highly symbolic, or a highly symbolic act. It says, now the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum. And he said, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land which I have sworn, there you go, have sworn to your fathers. And I said, I will never, what? Break my covenant with you. So here we have the faithfulness of the covenant-keeping God. But as we study the book, we'll see the unfaithfulness. Of the favor of the covenant keep, uh, keeping people. 
how they broke the covenant with God. So as we look at this book, in verses 1 and 2, I want us to look. It says, Now it came about after the death of Joshua that the sons of Israel inquired of the Lord, saying, Who shall go up first for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have given the land into his hand. Now I want you to understand that. I have given the land unto his hand. Just because God has given us promises and just because God has given us covenants like he gave with the people of Israel doesn't mean that we just sit back and don't serve him. We've got to carry through with our part of discipleship. We need to be faithful. We need to walk by faith. We need to be people of faith. People of faith who are dependent upon God, who are trusting in God and His Word. And this is one of the problems that they began to have as the people of Israel. They began to doubt God's promises. They began to not walk by faith. And the reason for this is they began to compromise with the enemy. They began to compromise with the Canaanites. Now when I mention the Canaanites, it was a, many times it's referred to as a whole area that they were to con uh, uh, conquer. Other times it's specific areas that they were to conquer. And so when you see the Canaanites, you realize that they were the people of immorality. They were the people of false gods. And by partially defeating them and by compromising with them and by allowing them to be a part of their lives, thinking that their way was okay and they knew better than God, everything would be okay, then as they began to rewrite God's promises, God's covenants, then their lives began to change inwardly. They began to drift away from God and not trust Him like they should. Because why? They, because they brought sin into their life and a way of life that was contrary to God. And they began to accept it as part of their life. They began to work it into their system. And so the book of Judges is giving us directions in the sense that we have promises that Satan has been defeated by Jesus on the cross. But does that mean that he no longer tempts us? Does that mean that he no longer uh, tests us in the sense of trying to get us to falter and, and trying to get us to slip and trying to get us to compromise and trying to get us to live uh, a partial victory where we uh, live partially with the world, in the world, and, and uh, a part of the world, and, 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 and as a Christian also? No. He is, he is going to do that, and he's going to consistently do that. And just because he's been defeated, one day that defeat will be ultimate. But he wants to come. 
And he wants us to compromise our lives just like the Israel's here in, in, in uh, Judges. He wants us to bring in the world's way of thinking. He wants us to think the way the world does. He wants us to have less faith in God. He wants us to trust in ourselves more. And he wants us to live without the power of God in our lives. And then he wants us to okay sin. And no longer call sin, sin. No longer call yielding to temptation what God calls it, sin. He wants us to accept certain ways of life that is contrary to God's way. And when he does this, then we are living on the fence, which you cannot do as a Christian and as a true disciple of the Lord. Choose you this day, as Joshua said. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we will learn that to be victorious, then we will have to get rid of our idols. We will have to get rid of that which is hindering us as Christians, sin. We will have to see that God calls for a total commitment. And many who have accepted the world into their church as part of their belief, they will also ridicule us. They will say that we're old-fashioned. They will say that, that we are out of step with the culture. They will say that you can't reach this society by living that way. That people will just not accept it. And if you're going to be a church, then you've got to be a hospital. And I agree wholeheartedly in the sense that you bring sick people in, that you deal with sick people, but when you deal with sick people, you want to help them to get well, don't you? You don't want them just to hang on and get worse. You want to give them the medicine that they need. But he will continue to disguise himself, and we will start, we will continue to run our families the way the world wants us to run. We will continue to run our lives at work the way that the world wants us to run it. We will continue to run our government the way that he wants it run instead of the way that Christians with their influence should make a difference. He will want our families to operate in the sense of not teaching them the principles that are in the word of God. And in raising our children not teaching them. And if we don't teach them and I'm not saying that they will all be perfect when you leave. By all means, I know that. But we should prepare them the best we can, shouldn't we? He will get you to think just because you've been defeated or your child has been defeated or someone close to you has been defeated, then it doesn't work. 
But we all have to come to that point where we make decisions on our own, don't we? And because of that, we want to get the people as strong as possible. And that begins with us ourselves, doesn't it? We want others to be victorious. We want to have learned from our failures to help others so that they won't have to fail in those areas. And when they do fail, to help them to learn from this. We want to promote and grow a discipling community that is growing in the Word of God. And that's the only way. And so we need to help one another. We need to make the most of it. And our lives will be lives of defeat if we continue to choose to go otherwise instead of with God. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We must make that decision. We need to make it. And we need to help others to make it. Let's bow our heads in prayer.